Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Hot Takes from the Berg podcast. I'm your host, Jason Michener, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. How are you doing on this fine night, Ian? Uh, I'm doing absolutely awesome. I'm really, really excited to do something on the Hot Takes from the Berg podcast for the first time ever. And that's an ad read. And this one is really, really close to home for me personally. And it's The Drowsy Poet off of Lakeside Drive in Lynchburg, Virginia. I mean, it's a restaurant quality kitchen inside of a bookstore. I know my favorite thing about The Drowsy Poet is getting a nice coffee from there in the morning. And it just never fails to get my day started off right. So all thanks, you know, again, to everyone at The Drowsy Poet on Lakeside Drive in Lynchburg. And if you ever happen to be there, stop by, get you something to eat, get a coffee, and let them know how it takes sent you. Yeah, just in, enjoy your time there. Definitely some some great hospitality there. Absolutely. Um, but getting into today, uh, doing something we haven't done before. We're going into our NBA midseason awards. Uh, but starting off first, our normal things. Who's hot? Who's not? And I, one team that is extremely hot right now after getting someone back, that's the Miami Heat. Getting Jimmy Butler back meant everything for this team. A hundred percent. I mean, it, they've been probably one of the weirdest teams in, in the entire league this season. Just to think about where they ended last season, at least in the, you know, playing the finals and it wasn't the best finals we could have asked for, but I mean, they had a lot that went wrong right there at the finals to kind of get it to that point. But you still expected more from, from the heat. I knew that, you know, we might've been getting a little bit ahead of ourselves when it came to how do you kind of rate what they did in the bubble, but I didn't expect them to kind of, you know, fall off the cliff like they did in a big early part of the season. And, like you said, a big reason for that was Jimmy Butler. And when he plays for them, they are as good of a team out in the Eastern Conference, it feels like. I mean, I really think with Jimmy Butler, they can beat anybody. And he's just so willing to do really whatever he needs to on any given night to help them win. He can be the ace stopper that, you know, no offensive player wants to play against. Or he can be the facilitator that gets 12 assists and, and runs the entire show or He'll just hit you in the post four times in a row and money, 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 and just take over and score all the points that are necessary to win the game. I mean, he just does whatever is is necessary. And that's something that, you know, that Miami Heat team definitely needs. We saw what they could do with that last season. And the fact that he's back and healthy and playing for him now is a, is a really good sign. Now, I, I see a decent amount of people on Twitter saying, is there a candidacy for MVP for Jimmy Butler? I don't think there is. But out of all the teams, the the definition of most valuable player, I I don't think there's any more valuable of a player to a team than Jimmy Butler. Oh, absolutely. He's definitely the most valuable player on, on that team, but he, it's definitely a little bit too far. I mean, NBA Twitter is, is definitely a little crazy, and they love to get ahead of themselves, and especially if it's a team that you like. I mean, I know I've said some crazy things about 
Oklahoma City basketball on, on Twitter. So it's not the best thing. Um, I have kind of a bit of a weird one for my first uh, who's hot and something that's definitely hot right now is the 76ers finals chances. Um, I'm not a 76ers fan. I, you know, just said I'm a Thunder fan, but when I saw Joel Embiid go down last week and watched him immediately reach out and grab his knee, I, I couldn't help but just immediately in that moment think, wow, it was kind of all for nothing what Philly's done to this point in the season. And it, it made me really sad. I just, I don't know, I guess just, you know, kind of watching this 76ers process from start to now and knowing everything that's gone into it, it really, it really just would have broken my heart, to be honest, if I didn't get to see Embiid see this one out, especially because they are playing so good this season. I mean, I mean, he's probably should have garnered a, a little bit more support for MVP before his injury. But I, like I said, just in that moment, watching him clutch his knee and thinking they're all their chances for competing this season are over was it, it turned out for the best because he's only going to be out two to three weeks it's just a bone bruise um philly definitely dodged a bullet here like i said I, I everything i've been able to think about this injury since i saw it until i found out the mri was was clean was wow that just really sucks for philadelphia they're, they're totally out of comp competing in the eastern conference at this point in my mind, or they could still compete, but Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons are the heart and soul of that basketball team. And without either one of those guys, they take a, a dramatic step back, in my opinion. So it just a huge, huge break for the 76ers here by hanging on to Embiid. And it, it's a minor setback, but what they've done thus far in the season to get themselves out in front, it's going to be it's going to serve them well at this point where, where they're out without Embiid and they're going to be clawing, clawing and scraping and trying to win by any means. And at the end of it, you know, they've done all the work before that to be in this position. So it should all work out in the end, but man, they really dodged the bullet. Yeah. And the crazy thing is they're on a, a four game winning streak without Embiid. I mean, they, they played quality teams in the Utah Jazz and the, the San Antonio Spurs. Even though the Washington Wizards have been looking better and they almost beat them by 30 points, it was 127 to 101. Tobias Harris has been doing his absolute best to keep that team afloat with Ben Simmons. And it's, it's showing that Philly has depth finally in that team. Absolutely. I'm really glad you touched on Tobias Harris. I think he's the best example of what a third. Well, I, I can't say the best. I, I'd say that him and Chris Middleton, I, I think, are the best third option players in the entire NBA, it feels like almost. They they just do so many things so well. And, and to watch Tobias Harris, especially because he's not a guy that really adds a, a lot of, you know, defensive skill to your team so to watch him you know primarily just a score kind of really figure out a, a role and a, and a place for him to fit in on that Philadelphia team as as you know a shooter a bucket getter all those kind of things is is really really huge and you're absolutely right he is a big big part of that Philadelphia team as well 
Now, I have one more player for who's hot. LaMelo Ball is going off right now. He has looked unstoppable. And I feel so bad for, what was it, Toronto, that he hit a just a spin cycle three. Yeah. Like, you let a rookie do that to you who isn't really known for shooting the ball right now. Absolutely insane. He's just come in and has been so gifted all around offensively that I think it's impressive. And every time I talk about him, you can pick one area of his game to be impressed with and still not be able to really cover it fully in depth with how good he's doing everything on the basketball court. I mean, you kind of touched on it. Yeah, the the, the shooting and the, the touches a lot better than I thought it would be this early, especially, and also to just watch his watch his basketball IQ and his love for the game as he runs an offense and how he cheers on his teammates and does all the right things, smiles, just plays within the team. It's so awesome to watch. Um, he's absolutely been so fantastic this season, and I will definitely be talking about him later when we get to our midseason uh, award winners. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that – I'm, I just have to say one more thing. That Hornets team has actually been fun to watch for the first time in forever. Yeah, in a long time. Um, my last two is hot. I'm, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Is the Boston Celtics. And it, it's for an interesting reason. They just uh, recently, I think as of a couple of days ago, got Marcus Smart back uh, from an 18-game absence following a calf injury and – he came back, man, and, and looked like he didn't miss a single game. I mean, he just looked absolutely awesome. I think it was like 15 points, four rebounds, a couple steals, was diving all over the floor. Just the normal Marcus Smart kind of game. And I think this is going to be a huge stretch here for this Boston Celtics team. It's a team that a lot of people were really, really high on coming into this season. It feels like they've never really been able to get their full team healthy and moving in the right direction at the same time. And I'd like, they've had great performances from every player top to bottom, but it just feels like it's always in, you know, in, in replacement of someone else or something like that for those good games to happen. So I think if they could just, now that they're all healthy, just finally work together and figure out, you know, exactly where everyone slots into the lineup, what your go-to units are, that kind of thing, and really figure out how everyone can play together. It, it's going to be really important for this Boston team, especially with the aspirations that we have, and I'm sure that they have. I mean, Boston has been, you know, right there in competition for the, the finals for what feels like, what, four or five years now? I mean, they've been really, really good and got good again really fast, so this is going to be a really important stretch over the second half of the season. Yeah. Me being a Boston fan, it's, it's, I love to see that Mark smart is finally back from injury. Uh, our, our best guard defender, arguably the, the best defender on the team and not having him there was a, a huge part of Boston kind of falling off for, for two to three weeks. And now that he's back, it takes a load off guys like Tatum and Jalen Brown on defense end. They don't have to step up to the best guy. You can have Marcus Smart do that now. 
absolutely definite a benefit definitely a benefit for those star players like you said you ready for who's not yep i'll kick it off right here and um this first one right here makes me makes me sad as most of these who's not usually do i, I kind of like to treat this segment as a, a way to i don't know i like to think i have some control in the grand scheme of things so i like to think that these are motivational words for these players and somebody that I definitely want to start playing better is Jamal Murray. Since the all-star game, Murray's gone right back into that shooting slump that felt like he plagued him for a way too long in the early going of the season. And he scored just 13 points on five of 27 shooting since the all-star game. I mean, it was really, really encouraging to see Murray get out of that slump and just the way that him and Jokic were able to just I don't know. It looked like you just picked him right up out of the bubble and put him right back into the season. And that it just felt like that he was playing at that level. And I've always thought a lot about Jamal Murray. Uh, my comp for him coming out of college was Stephen Curry, because I just thought he was that well-rounded of a shooter. I hadn't seen many of them come out of college. As... And he hasn't been that and that's obvious, but it's often just a terrible idea to comp players to legendary players because it's just so hard to compare to in general. But it just kind of goes a little bit of the way of sh showing how much talent I, I really do think that he has. And just to watch him go through these these struggles and inconsistencies is so hard to watch. And I just really hope that, you know, he figures this out somehow and he can get out of this little rut and, and just really start playing consistent on a regular basis. I mean, you just can't go through these spurts all the time because that is really something that'll come back to bite you in the ass in the playoffs. So, I mean, Denver's going to need him and especially in a huge way, like I said, come playoffs. And this is the exact opposite of how he wanted to start the second half of the season. And I really hope he turns it around soon. Yeah, I, especially after what Jamal Murray was showing in the bubble. I mean, trading 50-point games back and forth with Donovan Mitchell in the first round, being a, a huge part in the Nuggets making the, the conference finals, which had been God, long, God knows how long they made that. And then seeing him come to the season not the same, being in a, a really bad shooting slump, having to put everything on a Nikola Jokic, which is – I know why they aren't towards the top of the conference. I mean, they're sitting at fifth. Granted, the the West is extremely competitive right now, but still, um, coming into the season, they're looking like they're going to be a, a easy number one or two seed. But sitting at the five, it's 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 on Jamal Murray's shoulders right now. Absolutely. That that was also who I had for my uh, who's not. That was my only one. Oh, perfect, perfect. All right, well, that really works out. Uh, I'll let you kick off uh, the midseason award show if you want to take over. I'm guessing you probably would like to get in there with the MVP. Yep, starting off with this season's MVP, it, it's really between two players. Uh, I know some people are going to say LeBron James deserves it, but it's between the two most dominant big men in the league. That's Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. If you think any differently then you're crazy because these two guys have been absolutely dominating 
and for me, I'm I'm gonna go with the the Joker, Nikola Jokic. This this man has been so impressive. It's in it's absolutely insane how he's able to basically carry that that Denver Nuggets team right now. Yeah, I, I mean, just the the effort that we've seen from him this season to to watch a guy average at the center position 27 11 and 8 is insane it is next level and he actually runs their offense I mean it's just I've never seen a player do it and I don't really don't think I'll ever truly see another player do it again it's that special what he's doing and I totally agree with you I mean the as far as the conversation goes I think it really boils down to those two names at the end of the day and I think it's just funny how it has worked out this season. I mean, we seem like we're moving into this five-guard-oriented kind of NBA play style, yet in this season, the best players at, you know, kind of figuring out the best of both worlds have been the big men in the case of Jokic and Embiid. And I kind of had a good idea that you are going to go with Jokic. So I plan to play devil's advocate and – I am really excited to make this case for Joel Embiid because I think it's a really good one. First of all, he's third in the entire league in scoring. And first, well, first of all, I guess I should just get through this. I know he's injured right now, but this is our mid-season. Uh, Joel Embiid has, yeah, missed a couple of games to this point in the season. But as of the mid-season point, like if that was the end of the season, he wouldn't even have gotten hurt te- technically. So just another reason why I didn't have to redo my MVP. Either way, Joel Embiid, 29.9 points per game, third in the entire league, 11 and a half rebounds, three and a half assists. Not not Jokic level, but he definitely has really picked up his playmaking this season. He's turning turned down the turnovers. He's not turning the ball over as much. He's taking care of the basketball. And if you just watch him, he just looks more like a basketball player. I thought some of my biggest problems about Joel Embiid early in his career was he just looked like he was trying to do too much out there. He really wanted to be the the star of the show all the time. And this season, it feels like he's picking his spots. He's getting the ball where he wants to get it, in good places, where he wants to get it, where he can go to work. And he's just doing what he knows how to do best from there. I mean, he's just so physically dominant and talented to not be as good as he is. But, I mean, he puts in the work and he knows all of his spots and what he likes to do best, like I said. And, I mean – it's also the efficiency within the season, 52% from the field, 42 from three, and 86 from the line. That The craziest thing to me is that's right there with what Jokic is doing this season. And I, Jokic is actually better, believe it or not. But it's crazier. I think it's crazier to me that Joel Embiid is as close as he is to Jokic because I think – it's, you know, not really a question that Joel Embiid is the, the better defensive player. And I'd say it's probably by a, a pretty long shot. And so to just watch everything that he's done this season while being so efficient on the offensive end and to watch how that how much that has meant to this Philadelphia team is they're the number one team in the East. I mean, I, I just think he has a really, really good case and as do a lot of players, but Embiid being the third highest scorer in today's game is impressive, but also, you know, being the second highest rated player in player efficiency rating goes a good way 
to showing that he should be in consideration. And yes, first is Jokic. So take that as you will. Yeah, either way, if either one of these guys wins MVP, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the first big man to win MVP since Shaq, which is wow. insane to think about. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And, of course, Shaq is known as the most dominant big man of all time. So having these two guys in that kind of category just shows how good of players they are. Absolutely, absolutely. I guess for the next one, I will kick off with um, Rookie of the Year. And my Rookie of the Year, this is probably the easiest one of, of them all, is Lamella Ball. Anthony Edwards is right there with Ball and scoring, and we all kind of thought that uh, Wiseman might make a little bit more of a push for it. But with his injury and with nothing really good going it on in Minnesota overall, other than Anthony Edwards, it was kind of an easy, easy decision, especially just watching. We kind of touched on it earlier. The, the effect that he's had on the entire team, you've said it word for word that Charlotte is now watchable. And it's all because of LaMelo Ball and all because of the kind of play that he inspires by being so crafty and, and such a willing passer. I mean, it's just so fun to watch their team go to work because like I said, I've said it before, if you just cut a little bit harder, run a little bit faster when you know that the guy who's passing the ball will pass it to you if you get open, no matter what. And that that's the kind of effect that he's had. And I, I think, you know, obviously statistically ball is, is the no brainer pick, but like I said, it, it, to me, it goes a little bit deeper than that. And just the effect that he's had on that Charlotte team is, so huge and I think he has to be you know the midseason rookie of the year yeah it's it's a good case between Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball but LaMelo has just been so much more exciting to watch than Edwards I will say Edwards has really been picking it up lately um I mean he's had what like seven posters in the past two weeks which is insane and the Minnesota Timberwolves are finally somewhat becoming relevant again, almost had their, their first win streak since the beginning of the season. But Lamella's it's it's difficult to say he's not going to be the rookie of the year. It's, it was the same thing with if Zion would have played last year, I think he would have by far been the rookie of the year, even though Ja was still a phenomenal player. Anthony Edwards is, is Ja Morant in this situation. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, on to the, the microwaves off the bench. Uh, sixth man of the year. I really think there's only one candidate to even look at here. That's Mr. Jordan Clarkson. Boy, oh boy, has he been the spark that this, this Jazz team needed. I mean, he's averaging 18 points, four rebounds, two assists off the bench. And he's only averaging he's only averaging about twenty six minutes a game. Imagine if he was a starter. Yeah, I mean, what he's done for this Jazz team is incredible. I always knew he was a good shooter, but to watch the kind of turn that he's had at 
the Utah Jazz has been awesome to watch. I mean, he's literally just a gunner. Every single night, you know he's going to come out and shoot seven, eight, nine threes at least. And he, you'll take nine threes from Jordan Clarkson any night. I'd really say you'd take 10, 12, because the way he shoots the ball, it just – he doesn't even feel like he has a conscience. As soon as he catches the ball, the only thing that's going to happen is it's going to go up and in. And that you can tell that's his mindset. I mean, you can see when shooters get in that kind of rhythm and, and groove and – especially to watch how his has pretty much, you know, gone across this entire season thus far. It's really, really awesome to watch. I mean, he's my pick for six man of the year as well. Um, it's, I feel like the six man of the year market was a little bit more dry this year. I mean, we had, you know, a little bit of a step back from Lou Williams. And then it feels like Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell kind of both got out of that situation a six man Montrez is still technically in it but he kind of plays in in the LA situation where he's he's going to be hurt a little bit too much statistically to really compete for it so I, I really think that you know I don't see too many people maybe pressing Jordan Clarkson for this so I mean a good second half of the season and you can just go ahead and erase the midseason from in front of this one yeah Jordan Clarkson has been phenomenal I think the only player that can kind of touch him is Terrence Ross. I'll give you that. Maybe, yeah. And maybe Chris Boucher, but even then, I don't think either of them are on, on, on Clarkson's level right now. Yeah. Now, shall we head to the, the, the defensive anchors? Uh, I'm absolutely ready for it. Are you? I am. All right. I'll, I'll kick this one off. Um, I had Miles Turner. Uh, I knew that Miles Turner was probably going to be the strongest candidate before I really started, you know, getting in and doing the research for this podcast. But it really kind of turned out for me just trying to make a case for anybody else. I, I really couldn't. I mean, Ben Simmons is fantastic on the perimeter and, you know, Rudy Gobert and Giannis Antetokounmpo make their obvious appearances here. But what Turner's been doing this season is incredible. I mean, he's kind of a frustrating player to me because I always thought he would develop a little bit better than the player that he's turned into. But if this is his ceiling, that's absolutely fine. And there's a lot of teams out there in the NBA that would pay a premium for it because with he's almost at three and a half blocks a game. He's a half block over Rudy Gobert for league leader and is on pace for the most in a season since Hassan Whiteside averaged 3.6 in 2016. I mean, like I said, he's never really quite figured out the offensive side of the court. But, I mean, with the offense that the Pacers can provide around him and how they're not really all the best individual defenders, I mean, they have some really, really good ones. But especially, you know, just playing beside DeMontis Sabonis, who I wouldn't classify as, you know, a stellar defender, and to just watch him clean up every mistake that every other guy makes on the court is so fun. I mean, he's really, really playing out of his mind and I think it's gotta be him. I mean, the fact he averages a, a full assist also as well, statistically, I mean, you get everything you want with Miles Turner. I think he's just gotta be the guy. Yeah. There he's been the, the key defender for that Pacers team. And they, they've been doing good. He's, He's the piece that DeMontis Sabonis needed. And 
they've been playing really, really well together. Uh, Miles Turner was also mine, but you could also make a case for for Rudy Gobert or or Joel Embiid or Giannis. Um, I don't think Giannis would get it yet again. Um, but I could see a guy like Gobert or Embiid somehow stealing it away from Turner. But with how Miles Turner is playing right now, they're gonna have to really pick up the pace. Yeah. Uh, Miles Turner has been on his Hakeem Olajuwon stuff this entire season, it seems like. I wanted to say when I was making this, I was going to try and – I going into it at least, I figured I was – I remembered that Miles Turner had gotten hurt. And to be honest, I, I checked out on him a little bit after he had gotten hurt. It turns out he only missed a few games, comes back, and I remember checking up on him. He had like one or two blocks in his first couple of games back. I was like, ah, he's here it comes. Here's the fall off. I haven't looked at him. Went and looked at him for this video, and his like last five games were like five blocks, four blocks, thirty blocks, four blocks. I'm like, geez, <laughs> yeah, defensive player of the year for sure. Yeah, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And now into the the MIP, the most improved. And there's there's one guy in my mind that I think should get it. I don't know if other people will agree. That's Jalen Brown. I have loved what Jalen Brown has done this year. He, The points <coughs> improvement isn't really there, going up about four points. But, I mean, what he had to do on the defensive end still with Mark Smart being out and still being able being able to put up those points and be how efficient he's been um, shooting almost 49% from the field and over 38% from three, which is almost his career high. He's been the second player that Tatum needs. Um, and he's finally developing into the player. Everyone wanted to see when he was drafted third. Absolutely. I have the same guy plugged in here. The only thing that kind of worries me uh, about him is kind of like you said, the the statistical jump isn't quite as crazy as you normally uh, see it. Uh, and I think had Christian Wood been healthy at this point, I think he would have been my my pick. But I'm willing to throw all of the stats out of the window and just watching Jalen Brown and watching the way he's played this season, to me, he's the most improved. Now, I've seen really, really good performances from other guys. Like I said, I touched on um, Christian Wood. Julius Randle literally turned himself into an all-star this year. And Chris Boucher is another name. A lot of big men turning it up this year. But either way, I think Jalen Brown has, to my eyes, been the most impressive player this season uh, it just he's really taken that turn he's another guy who turned himself into an all-star this season and it, it was very well deserved he looks like one of the best players on the court every single night that he takes it and I just cannot get over the way that he attacks both ends of the court I think it's so admirable I really really appreciate about pre appreciated about him and I just think he always does the right things I mean like I said the statistical or the stats aren't really there to back up most improved. But like I said, to my eye, it really can't be anyone else. The only reason I think Julius Randle wouldn't get it is because of his season in New, his one season in New Orleans. 
Um, he had a, a really good can candidacy there for most improved player, um, jumping up about five points, uh, almost a rebound, a half an assist. That's that's really the only reason I think he he wouldn't get it here. And that's valid. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and I'll let you do coach of the year. Start it off. I think this is another pretty easy one, at least to this point in the season. I really – oh, excuse me. I just had a sneeze really bad. <laughs> but uh, I think it's pretty easy. I have Quinn Snyder. The Utah Jazz coach has long been known as an amazing coach. He's coached a lot of good teams, but I can't remember a single one of them that's been this strong at the midway point in the season. And the thing that I love most about it is there's there's an obvious storyline here. And I think that's something that really fits for a couple of the award of the award winners. And it's always just easier to vote for somebody when they have a, a story that you can get behind. And it's an obvious one, as everyone is always so quick to forget about the Jazz. I mean, the Western Conference is just so strong top to bottom it'd be nearly impossible to give all the teams exactly as much respect as they deserve. But Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are both incredible at what they do, but they also don't get the respect that they probably deserve. So for all those reasons, I think it's easy to say that the, the Utah jazz are pretty, are pretty quick to be forgotten about. And so, I mean, the fact that he's got them of all the teams in the West leading that conference and, and, you know, really, especially with it being the, the premier conference in basketball, I guess you could say, is really, really important. And I just think the entire team's bought in. And he's the entire team playing well top to bottom. So he's my coach of the year. I think this is our first true disagreement because we were both okay with either playing either player winning the MVP. I have Doc Rivers. Um after what happened last season in Los Angeles and how everyone basically blamed him and Paul George. Him getting fired from there, coming to this Philly team that didn't really seem like it was going to be title contenders. I mean, yes, you had uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but they haven't really proven that they can do anything together yet. And then he made a whole bunch of moves this all scene. He was able to get the Al Horford contract off their books. Uh, he's brought in so many key pieces. He brought in Seth Curry, uh, who at his point in his career, I think was is better than what JJ Redick was um, when he was there. Tobias Harris has been stepping up. I think Doc Rivers is, is playing a key part in that. And then Matisse Thibel is, is developing still. And Doc Rivers has just been able to piece together this team and lead them to what they are right now. And they're leading the Eastern Conference. Yes, it's not nearly as difficult as the West, but just coming off what happened last year in Los Angeles, coming to a situation that seemed much worse and making it better. Yeah, I mean, you've got really, really good cases for – both of the coaches leading their teams in, in the Western and Eastern Conference, obviously. And I, I really do like the Doc Rivers pick. It took me oh, it's so close for me to not pick him. But in the end, I ended up going with Quinn Snyder. But, yeah, they both 
absolutely deserve consideration. And now into what is probably going to be the hardest thing for any person out there to do uh, going into all NBA teams. And for me, the first all NBA guard, you got to put Steph Curry there. Just how phenomenal he's been doing after coming off injury. And everyone was just like, oh, Curry's going to be washed up this season. He's not going to be able to do nearly as well as he did last year. And he's just proving everyone wrong. That, that's why I started mine off the exact same way with Stephen Curry. I absolutely agree with you. I don't think that there's anybody, any other guard you could really start with. Um, I think absence made the heart grow fonder for us fans. You know, we really did miss watching Stephen Curry play and just watching how deadly of a shooter he can really be when he's on fire and just how fast he can catch on fire, all of those things. I think we all kind of forgot about it a little bit. So to, you know, really watch it come back and, and to watch the level that he's playing at this season is is really been awesome. Yeah, Steph. For my – go ahead. Oh, sorry. Steph has just been such a fun player to watch again. I'm, I'm glad he's finally back on the court and forcing the league from three like he did before. Absolutely. For my next guard, this one was a really, really tough call. I didn't really know exactly which way I was going to go. In the end, I ended up going with Luka Doncic. I think it's a pretty safe pick. I mean, he is sixth in the league in scoring this season. Um, the numbers have taken a bit of a drop. He's not quite up there with that triple-double that he was at earlier in the season. But just another guy to, to kind of think about some of the struggles that he was – you know, going through to start this season. I mean, it's it's been awesome to just watch him turn it around. I mean, he's really figured it out. He's back shooting the ball like we're all used to. The percentage hasn't all the way bounced back just yet, but we're watching it and we know that it is. So he's just been so good. And I really think he's going to probably find his way here by the end of the season because he's got the Mavericks playing really, really well. And I think they have a the way it looks right now, they have a good shot of uh, making something happen in the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, uh, hopefully the Mavericks can make it further than the first round this year. Um, I got to disagree with you here. Um, I'd love to put Luka in, in the first team, but I think Bradley Beal finally deserves to, to get this spot. I mean, he's still leading the league in points. Averaging over 32, he has five rebounds, five assists. And he's bringing the the Wizards some kind of relevancy. If he was not there, they would not be relevant at all. It would just be Russell Westbrook and no one else. How relevant would the, would the Mavericks be without Luka? Hey, they still have they still have Tingus Pingus there. What are you talking about? Kristaps could do something. That's that is true, but uh, I think I, I can see exactly could, where you're coming from. And he was I, the guy that was close for me. I think Kristaps could do better on a team by himself than Westbrook could. That's that's the key thing I'm looking at. 
I'll, I'll give you that one for sure. Um, up next, well, I'll just give out both of my forwards. Um, they're honestly pretty lame, but you have to respect greatness. And LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo are both very great. I mean, they are, for one, we have King James. I don't need to introduce him any further. I think the fact that his nickname is King goes a little bit of the way of showing, you know, how good he might be, but Giannis is also doing the same exact thing. I mean, he's a guy that we also probably should have talked about in the MVP category, but just for pure fatigue reasons, we didn't bring him up just because he can't, he, he just can't win it again. I'm sorry, but yeah, first team, you definitely deserve that. You are, I mean, he's still doing Giannis things, so um, I'm going to agree with you here on the LeBron pick. I mean, yes, he is King James. He is the greatest player of our generation. I'm putting Kevin Durant there, though. Uh, he hasn't played as many games, but for the games he has played, what he's done, uh, especially bouncing back from the worst injury in basketball, a torn Achilles, and still being the same Kevin Durant everyone knows and loves is insane. I mean, it's crazy to think this man's only 3% away from being in the 50-40-90 club for food. Uh, 3% away for free throw percentage for being 50-40-90 club. And averaging 29, 7 rebounds, and 5 assists. It is definitely crazy, and trust me. If there's anybody who wanted KD to be on that first team, it's me. I absolutely love KD, but you you said it first thing. Uh, it's just the missed games for me. I do really want him to be first team, and I would have no problem with him being being there over Giannis. But to me, it was just I have one tiny thing that I can nit, nitpick with Durant. And for Giannis, I really don't have any. I mean, he's doing the same things that he's done in MVP winning seasons. So, I mean, I can't take that, take that away from him or hold that against him. I mean, he's doing the same thing. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. It was definitely between them for the other uh, first team forward. Yeah. And now for center, it's, it's going to be one of the two. I'm going to have Jokic here just cause I have him as my, my MVP winner. But it's really between Joel Embiid and Nicole Jokic. It's just who you want to put there. Yeah, no, and I, I might I call me crazy. I put Jokic. <laughs> he totally, you know, just really throws a wrench in my whole Embiid for MVP argument. But uh, yeah, no, Nikola Jokic is his first team center for me. It's it's just crazy to think. That a man that tall, I mean, it. I he's not nearly as athletic as Giannis, but the way he's able to handle the ball and his court vision, it's unmatched at his height. Yeah, and that's that's part of the reason why it just has to be him. I've never seen a center do what he's doing this season, ever, and it is crazy to watch. It's so fun. I mean, just. It's just a whole different kind of feel to it. I mean, and every other team has a distinct, different flow from the Nuggets. 
And it's all because of what Nikola Jokic is able to do as a center. That's crazy. That is very crazy and something that you do not see very often in really any sports. Anytime you start talking about a guy that does something that really no one in the history of his position has ever done before, you know you've stumbled upon a great player, and that is exactly what Jokic is. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I think there's only one center in NBA history that has a deeper bag than Jokic, and that's Hakeem Olajuwon. And if you're in that kind of conversation for how many moves and how talented you are, that's that's insane. Yeah. I'm not going to go out and say, Nikola, that Jokic is better than Hakeem because that's just blasphemy. <laughs> but for the talent he has, he is up there. Yeah. Now, moving on to all NBA second team, my two guards, of course, you have to have Luke on either first team or second team. If you don't, you're wrong. But my second one, I'm going to put Devin Booker here. I'm enjoying watching Suns games. And him and Chris Paul are a key reason why. And Devin Booker is finally, finally turning up and shooting really, really well. Yeah. And not only is he doing good, he's doing it on a winning team. Yeah, that's that's been the key for him. That's what everybody wanted to see. Um, that, that's been the, the nitpick for Devin Booker since he was drafted. He's putting yeah. up stats, but it's on one of the worst teams in the league. It was also the reason why I think he was really so upset that he didn't get selected to an all-star team. I mean, the arguing against his case every season up until this season was – your team's not winning. I'm sorry. There's other players out there who are doing the same thing with their teams winning. And now he's like, well, I, now I'm here and I still can't get it. So I absolutely, what he's doing is insane. And I, I'm going to spoil a little bit of my list. I don't have Devin Booker on any of my all NBA team lists. And really it's more just because of how I view Devin Booker. I think Devin Booker is one of the best and most talented players in our entire league. And I think the absolute world of him, I think he could be, I think he could really score as many points as he wants to realistically. He could average as many as he wants. He's that talented offensively. And I did, I held him off of these lists just because what I've seen from him this season, I don't think it's his best basketball. I really don't. He's been good and they have been winning and he's played good for them. But maybe I'm crazy. I still don't feel like it's his best when I watch him. Maybe I've just been catching bad games, and maybe I need to not put so much stock into, you know, the games that I do watch. But like I said to me, I I just don't feel like it's been overall his best basketball this season. I I do understand that. And I'm just putting him here because I think he finally has proved that he deserves something as big as this. Like, this is his first year where he actually, like, can make a case for an award. Yeah, and and I do agree with that. And I respect and I respect I can respect the pick. I love it. Like I said, I would love have loved to have put Devin Booker on my list. But I think it's like I said, just because I think the world of him, I expect, you know, the crazy ex- performances to come every single night from him, you know. 
And so that's probably part of the reason, but just don't call me crazy for not having him on my list. My backcourt on the All-NBA second team, for me, it was pretty easy after I got Steph and Luca out of the way. For the first guard spot, you know, Damian Lillard, I just think he does the same thing every single year. He's not Curry, but there's no one as close to Curry as, as Damian Lillard is. He's the only person I've seen that can replicate and do some of the same things that Curry can do. And there's some of them that he arguably does better. So that's the kind of player that we're talking about here. I mean, it's it's Dame time. Whenever the game is close and the Pacers need somebody to make a play, it's his time. Everybody knows who that guy is. And he's having another incredible season. And as my second guard, I have Riley Beal. You know, we obviously said it. He's been absolutely stellar this season. He's given really been the only reason that the Wizards have really been relevant or watchable for any sort of duration of time. So for that reason, you have to respect what he's doing. And I see Bradley Beal. Don't take the snub too personally. I got you a nice spot right here on the second team. Yeah, I, I'm getting, Damian Lillard has been fantastic. Um, he will be here a little bit later, a little bit of a spoiler, but you can't hate on Dame time ever. Just the most, one of the most clutch players in the NBA right now. I mean, how many, how many buzzer beaters has this man hit in his career? There, there's too many to count. Too many. I could not count. Um, now onto the forwards. Of course, I have Giannis there. The second one, I'm I'm gonna put Kawhi here. Uh, Kawhi not having as good of a season as he did last year, um, but I mean that's to be expected with how Paul George has been playing. But I mean it, it's it's still Kawhi Leonard. He's gonna be one of the best offense players on the team and arguably the best defense player in the league. That that's what you're gonna get night in and night out of Kawhi. Absolutely. Um, we basically have the exact same forward list, uh, except obviously I had Giannis's first team. So for me, that would be Kawhi and Kevin Durant. Um, I think you hit it on the head. And I really think that both of the, either one of these guys can make the jump to first team. And it's really just going to come down to what they do because they're the, I'd say they're definitely some of the players in the league who can make a push for that All-NBA first team. I mean, both of those guys, like you said, are absolutely insane. Kevin Durant has been, you know, reminding the entire world all season long about why he's such a feared man on a basketball court. So both of those guys are easy shoe-ins for All-NBA teams. Yeah, this – it's so difficult to pick this for the this year's All-NBA teams because so many players are – playing out of their mind it's difficult to just pick five for each team yeah um but buffer centers you have to have Joel Embiid here it's either you have Joel Embiid on the first team or second team and then Jokic flip-flopped if if you don't have these two here it's you're you're not watching NBA basketball 
I mean, we've already spoken on Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic enough. I, I don't think there's any more we can really say about how dominant these two players are. He's my second team, so you're absolutely right. And for my all-NBA third team, I took a page out of the NBA's book. Now, it, you'd think that it's always guard, guard, forward, forward, center, but it's not always. And they, even they've strayed from, you know, the traditional format many times when picking all-NBA teams or rookie teams or whatever it may be. So for that reason, my all-NBA third team is three guards and two forwards going a little bit of a small ball kind of lineup. And I did it because I really couldn't, I couldn't get any of these guys off. And I hate to say it, but no disrespect to any of the centers in the league, but I didn't feel like there was a, a any case around the league of a big man where I was like, you know, I cannot deprive him from the third team. And so for that reason, I operated under the three guard, two forward line uh, format for my All NBA third team. All right, if you want to start off with your your three guards, my three guards right here are James Harden, Donovan Mitchell, and Jalen Brown. Uh, I think they all need recognition. I think they've all been doing awesome things. Uh, they all are playing for really really good teams, and it's been a different season for all of them. Uh, I think. They've all been tested at different points in the season, and I think they all responded really, really well to those tests. Um, James Harden had to adjust to a different role, and I think I've seen some of the most encouraging basketball from him during his time with the Nets that I've seen in really the last three years of James Harden basketball. He's really about the team this year, and I can get behind that. I can't get behind what, you know, a lot of the things with how he would take over and run the show in Houston, but this brand of basketball from James Harden, I can I find it much easier to watch, a lot easier on the eyes. And it's a more fun brand of basketball, in my opinion. Donovan Mitchell is the case of, in my opinion, what is the best player on the best team in the West. He had to be on one of these teams. I could not deprive him of that spot. He gets a lot of disrespect and a lot of flack from a lot of people in the, in the basketball community. I'm not going to be one of those guys. I really like his game. I think he's an awesome, awesome guard can do a lot of things. He's a combo guard with bounce the way he has it. He's really turned himself into a deadly shooter off the dribble, off the catch, no matter however you need it, he can do it. I mean, that's Donovan Mitchell. And like I said, he's the best player on the first team in the West. He, he had to get a spot. And Jalen Brown, I, I talked about him for most improved. He's up there at 24 points per game now. He's an alpha at this point in his career. And the way that he specifically played while Jalen Bur Jason Tatum wasn't there, excuse me, was very admirable to me. Uh, he, like I said, I have a big, big uh, man crush on Jalen Brown. I think he's an awesome player. I think he's got a hell of a future in front of him. But right now in this season, I think it's safe to say that this is going to be the point in time where he makes the jump and he deserves to be rewarded with uh, an all NBA team selection for that. I'm I'm also kind of going to kind of do the same thing with you, but instead I'm doing two guards, three forwards. Um, I think there's some forwards in, in my list that I would have over some of the guards. Um, my two guards, though, of course, James Harden and Damian Lillard. 
you already spoke on Damian Lillard and James Harden. I, I would pretty much say the same thing. Harden did have a, a huge adjustment going to a team where two stars are already there, and you you have to figure out that that continuity. You have to figure out how to work well together, and it's obvious the Nets have been playing really well together. I mean, they're sitting at second in the in the Eastern Conference, and then I already spoke on how dominant Damian Lillard is. I mean, one of the most cut players in the in the NBA right now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you really can't go wrong when it comes to the guards. I mean, there's just so many good and talented guards across the league at this point that there's so there's an abundance of candidates for each and every position. So to, you know, pick through that crowd is a very, very hard job. And there's a many number of cases that you could argue for any one of those positions. I know we're probably going to catch a lot of flack for, you know, no Kyrie, no Zach Levine. Like I said, it, to each their own. I decided to award a couple of other guys who kind of stood out to me in a couple of different areas and that I think deserve a little bit of recognition. So that's why we make the list. But I could definitely see an argument coming for either, either one of those players, and I, I would absolutely be here to hear it. But for my two forwards – Go ahead. It's the same thing with these top 25, top 50, top 100 lists. Everyone's going to have a, a different list. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but go ahead. It doesn't mean anybody's list is, is right or anyone's is wrong. It just is the beauty of having an opinion and not everyone being the same. So, uh, But for my last two forwards, um, I, I could, both of these guys, like I said, they had to just be here on this list. Paul George and, and the kind of rebound that he's been on this entire season has been so admirable to watch. I've been so proud for the guy. I wasn't sweating any of anything about the bubble or poor performances coming into the season. I, I remember that was a lot of what I, I chose to talk about over this podcast in the preseason during that point in time. And so to just watch it all unfold over the course of the season has been so awesome to watch. I'm just so happy for the guy. I know how hard he works. I know how good of a player he is. And I, I just know that good things come to people who work as hard as he does. And so to watch him, you know, get back on that stage and regain his confidence and, and really believe in himself again has been so fun to watch. And, I mean, it's got the Clippers in a good position. I mean, the the some of the inconsist, inconsistencies have crept back into the picture a little bit here as of late. But, you know, I, as the midpoint – as of the midpoint – in the season, he has to be an all-NBA. I mean, he's just been that good. And finally, last but not least, my boy, Zion, baby. Zion Williamson. You know, I just I had to do this. Of all people, you knew this was coming for me, right? If you didn't, um, feel free to check out more of our episodes. I love Zion. I talk about him all the time. I think he's just so fun to watch. I just love waiting anticipating a broken rim, a shattered backboard, something crazy, because he's the guy that'll probably give it to you. So for all those reasons, I think he, you know, obviously as exciting of a player as he is, you know, that obviously backs it up, but he's really turning into a, a superstar, not just a star, a superstar this season up there at 24 points per game dominates the paint as good in the paint as anybody in the entire league finishes like 
something ridiculous, 65 to 70 something percent of his shots around the rim. Absolutely insane. He's just really dominating the way that, you know, we all knew he would coming out of college. And I just think to see it, it's been so awesome. And he alone has really got, you know, as dysfunctional of a situation that that New Orleans team was early in the season, he's got them rallying and competing and trying to make a run at this playoffs out in the West. So for that reason, I think Zion has to be rewarded. Um, For me, I agree with you on, on one of them. Paul George has to be on there. Um, for how ridiculed he was in this offseason, the, the whole way off P shenanigans. He came into this season and proved everyone wrong. I mean, he was shooting 50, 50, 90 for a, a good amount of the season. I believe he's still shooting about 50. He's close to the 50, 40, 90 club right now. He's He's been playing really, really good. Yes, he's shooting 48% from the field, forty almost 44% from three, and about 88% from the, from the line. He's been playing really good. I, I don't think there's anyone that can argue that. At the second forward spot for me, I have to put my boy Jason Tatum here. I mean, it's it's difficult to to really point out a flaw in, in Tatum's game. I mean, he's just he's got so many different moves to pick from, and it's crazy to think he's only twenty three, and he's this good. He. He is the him and Jalen Brown are the future of this Boston Celtics team, and I I hope they can can put together a dynasty. And I I look forward to being able to watch that dynasty for for many years to come. But the last forward I have, I think he deserves it. I don't know if what other people are going to think about this. I'm putting Julius Randle here. He is the he is the big reason the Knicks are 20 and 20. He's averaging 23, 11 rebounds and six assists. I have actually liked watching New York Knicks games this year. And it's not like last year where, oh, he was putting up good points, but they were arguably the worst team in the NBA. They're actually doing good. And Tom Thibodeau is a, a huge part in that. And, uh, I guarantee you everyone on in New York is loving Tom Thibodeau right now. But Julius Randle has also been a key part in that team. A hundred percent. And yeah, it, it really came down to between Julius Randle and Zion for the last spot. And also Jason Tatum deserves a lot of a lot of mention in that for that last spot as well. But ultimately I opted for Zion Williamson. I can absolutely understand why he would go with Julius Randle. I mean, like you said. Uh, New York is in a totally, completely different situation than they were a year ago. It's basically all because of what he's been able to do this season. So with that, um, you say the all rookie teams to round it up? I say we we do a quick all rookie team. Uh, I mean, of course, you have Lamella first. They're of course. The, the rookie of the rookie of the year in everyone's eyes, I think. Yeah. But the the second guard, I I I think it's gonna be Anthony Edwards. I mean, you you kind of have to have him there. Hear Guy's me out. Right in... here. I I I opted to change the format again right here. 
to make everything work. If you want to, I'd advise going to third guard because Halliburton makes yeah. a real good case. That is true. That is true. Yeah, Ty- Tyrese Halliburton has looked really, really good too. Yeah. For me, I don't know about you, but I choose to round it out with Patrick Williams as my my one forward. And then I, I do think, even with the injuries and the other things that he struggled with, that James Wiseman as a center to round out the all-rookie first team, I think that you know t- puts a nice bow on it. I do think that he's been the, the most exciting big man of, of any player that was taken last year in the draft. Hasn't gotten much uh, pressure from too many players, but... Um, he definitely deserves enough recognition for what he's been able to do when he's been on the court. Honestly, I, I'm going to label this guy as it's, – it's difficult to say because you could easily have four guards here and one and one center. Yeah. Because I don't know if you can leave Emmanuel quickly off this list. Yeah, it was tough. That was the tough part for me. Because besides Lamella Ball, I think Emmanuel quickly has been the most exciting player to watch. Uh, you could, de- yeah, yeah, I could definitely make a case for it. Absolutely. But I, I honestly, I'm gonna have Isaac Okoro as my forward. I'm, I'm enjoying watching him. Uh, when that, when the Cavs were going on that big run to start the season, it was he was a, a big part of that. Him. Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, uh, the one through three. It was it was nice to watch. It was it was weird saying I'm enjoying watching Cleveland basketball since LeBron left, but I was enjoying it. And then you can't pick another center other than James Wiseman. I mean, he's the most dominant center. He is like the only truly good center out of this class, I think. Uh, to this point, yeah. I mean, the jury's still out on. Um, I, I'm blanking. Okiki, no. Oh, Onyeka. Onyeka Nkongu. Yes, thank you. Um, the, the jury's still out. We, I don't think we've seen enough of him yet. Um, he's looked good in some limited action, but um, really, I, I don't think that he's put in enough time. Really to even be considered for this list just yet, just because, I mean, it has been a little underwhelming um, with, I'd say, like, kind of all around with the rookies. We've got a, some good performers at the top, but then it starts to kind of tail off a bit after that. But I still didn't really even consider him. He could have made a case for second team, and he probably will by the end of the the actual season. But it just wasn't enough run up until before the midseason point. For me to consider him on either team, um, I kick off my second team with three guards, and I chose to put quickly here on the second team. I, I know it was hard, and he is definitely one of the the brighter stars. I'd say he's, you know, the main attraction of this second team, and I just, I, I don't know. I, I just wanted to have a forward on my first team. To be honest, I, I could have gone all four guards, but. It just felt a little too weird at that point. I don't know. Uh, here I am with the three guard, two forward lineup for my second team. So I don't know how much stock you want to put in it, but um, my first goal. Hello. 
but both have been phenomenal. I'm I'm enjoying watching him. He's he's doing really really good things for OKC. Man, I can't believe you put my guy on here. I left him off. Um, obviously, is my for my first guard. I have Emmanuel quickly. Second guard, Peyton Pritchard. I just think what he was able to to do in the early part of the season for that Celtics team was really admirable off the bench, and he's still a factor off the bench for that team. And and for that reason, I think he's kind of established himself as you know, needing enough of a role on that team. And so for that reason, I think he's a pretty safe pick on the second team. And finally on the second team, uh, Cole Anthony. He has been injured, but um, with Markel Fultz's injury early in the season, it really opened up a runway for him to, you know, get some reasonable tick. And after that happened, we I really started to see, you know, him start to flourish a little bit, him start to understand the NBA game and, for that reason, he definitely has to be on this all-rookie second team. And I think, you know, from what I've seen from him this season, I, I can definitely say that he has a bright future in this league. I mean, he's got a lot to learn for sure, but you're starting to see him make a couple strides and, and take a couple steps. Um, I was considering Cole Anthony, but the guy I ultimately decided to go with for my third guard, Desmond Bain with Memphis. I mean, when John Morant was out, it was it was Desmond Bain and, and Dylan Brooks show and Desmond Blaine flourished. I mean, he's averaging almost ten points a game. He's averaging about three rebounds and assist. Not your traditional point guard that's gonna give you a lot of assists or be that big playmaker. But I he he did well for Memphis when Jaw was out. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Are we ready for the forwards? Yep. Um, for my two forwards, I have uh, Sadiq Bey and Isaac Okoro. And I think they both kind of lump it, lump together nicely. The two perfect examples of guys that I am really don't love what I've seen, but I really don't hate it, hate it either. Uh, I've like It's kind of similar to Cole Anthony. I've seen the flashes from both of those guys. I think they offer – kind of a, a similar amount um, at this point in both of their careers. I mean, they're both really, really good defenders, can defend multiple different positions on the court. Um, Sadiq Bey is more more suited to cross-checking different forwards. Um, Okoro is better with chasing around guards. But um, it, both of them have kind of had limited offensive roles, but they definitely get enough tick because of their defensive ability to make some offensive impact when it's when their shots are falling. So for that reason, I think that they have a, a pretty conceivable path to becoming uh, all-rookie team members. And I really do think that they will. The Pistons and the Cavaliers are both kind of – you're not really sure what's in store for them over the second half of this season. So I'm sure they're going to be really interested to get their young guys some tick. And I expect some better things from them in the second half of the season slate. Yeah, the, the big thing here is we just switched Isaac Coro and Patrick Williams. I have Sadiq Bay and, and Patrick Williams. Um, I mean, you've already spoken on it. I mean, both have done really well this year. And a quick honorable mention for you, I'm going to have Aliske Pokushevsky as a, a quick honorable mention for rookie of the, for all-rookie team. 
for what he did, what was it, two nights ago, basically playing point center when y'all had, like, no one? Y'all had, like, absolutely no one playing? Yep. He had a good game, and he is definitely a guy that I think is – it could really creep up the boards and and find him a spot on the second team. I'll say that I don't think that anybody is really – other than quickly is a surefire bet to be on an all rookie team. But I, I think Pokusevsky with the kind of role that might be coming his way and another guy in uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. for the Houston Rockets, who's just now starting to get some play as they seemingly will start their rebuild at, at this point, he's been getting almost 20 minutes a night. And so if he can get some more tick like that, uh, obviously, you know, points, rebounds and, and things like that will come to him as he gets time. So, Another guy who could be easily a second team all rookie candidate by the it's all by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, there it's been such a fun season to watch so far. So much great bo- basketball has been playing been played. It's crazy to think we're already halfway through the NBA season. Absolutely insane to think about, but just enjoy it. I know we say it every week, but. I know I say it because I have been enjoying it. Watching basketball is one of the the best releases, one of the best ways to just kill some time at the end of my day when I get done with all my work. I'm ready to put all that to the side. I can just turn on an NBA game and, and be wild by some of the greatest athletes in the entire world. So it's definitely a blessing to be able to watch the league right now. And I've been really, really in, invested in this season, as weird as it is. I, I figure usually my – how much I'm interested in waivers, depending on how my, my favorite team is doing. But my Oklahoma City Thunder have not been playing for much, but it's been nice to be able to turn on some uh, some college prospects and, and do a little bit of scouting in preparation for this upcoming draft. So uh, I'm loving basketball at all levels right now. Yep, uh, March Madness is right around the corner. Selection Sunday just happened. So it's a, a big time for – all these NBA uh, analysts to go out there and watch some college basketball and see what big prospects are going to be coming out. Absolutely. And, hey, I mean, anybody can be a scout. All you got to do is get a pencil, some paper, and start writing down notes, and you're officially a scout. That's all it takes. So if you want to get out there and start getting some of your scouting experience with I would recommend March Madness. It says something about a player who steps up to a big stage. Yep, but I think that's going to do us for today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed listening to our midseason awards. There might be some some iffy All-NBA team ones, but I think all the other ones uh, are shoe-ins, at least at this point in the season. Um but I've been your host, Jason Mitchell, and you're joining alongside Ian Hatcher. We'll see you all next time.